Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 91 of DM Discussions, a podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Ben Bumhopper. How are you doing tonight, Ben? I am doing okay, other than feeling like I'm completely buried in a whole lot of stuff, which is why this episode is a week late. Yes, apologies, everybody. Life has been crazy this last few weeks. Uh, Hopefully, it will get better. But we wanted to get an episode out because there's several things to talk about. Mm -hmm. And we've got another class to cover because we haven't covered a class for a while. A very long time, actually. Yeah. I mean, there's just been so much stuff going on. This is like the first time where it's like, oh, there's no actual new Unearthed Arcana or something. Yeah. Well, kind of. I mean, there, there's a little bit, but not really. So, yeah, we've uh, we're able to kind of uh, jump into a, a bit of backlog uh, conversations and stuff, which we definitely want to cover before the new core rule books get here, because, hey, then we can just recover them again and go over changes. <laughs> it's it's like if they're just feeding us content. Exactly. But yeah, um, yeah. The, uh, the good news about that, though, is that, uh, you know, the, the core stuff can change. A lot of the subclasses are going to be still available, which is one thing we'd like to talk about on this, which I'm really excited today. But anyways, I'm not, I'm getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a few a little announcements we wanted to go over and talk about real fast before, before we jump into the Druid. We're going to talk about the Druid because we yes. talked about the new Druid quite a bit, but we're going to talk about the current Druid who had, which is actually quite fun mm-hmm. uh, a little bit tonight. Uh, the first thing to note uh, starting off on the, you know, semi bad news. Uh, just a, a week or two ago, uh, they announced that uh, coming soon, uh, print prices for books are going to increase. Yes. So they said uh, they wanted to communicate clearly and transparently. It's not a particularly fun topic, but since, you know, 2014, uh, they've had basically the same price, which actually. You know, keeping the same books at the same price for about 10 years, not too bad. That's a, it's a, honestly a pretty good run. Yeah. The, it, the oh, go ahead. I was just say overall, I mean, it's, it's been a good price for it. I've, I've been happy with it and everything. I mean, I don't get everything, um, in print, but what I do, you know, it, there's a lot of value for what it gives. Yeah, for sure. And it's nice. I, I like, <clears throat> I like having print books just because I know they won't ever like randomly disappear on the internet. <laughs> exactly. Not that I hope any of my digital books will randomly disappear, but that's, that's what's kind of nice about like downloaded PDFs or in print physical books is that, you know, you will have them and they won't just get taken off a server or something. Sometime you lose access. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that won't happen. Uh, but you know, that possibility is always there. We've seen it with content. We've seen it with, you know, like HBO, Disney yes. Plus have just literally pulled shows off and they just don't exist anymore. Yeah, I never got a chance to see Willow and I'm really upset about that. Yeah, it's just gone. I like, heard it, it doesn't horrible, exist on but it doesn't still, exist on DVD. It is my duty to check it out to see if it actually is horrible or not. Exactly. So that's like I that's the that's the part of digital that I was always afraid of. Mhm. It hadn't happened until recently, and it's starting to happen with the streaming services, some for their tax write-offs and stuff, and I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like that that's a thing that can happen. I agree. Um, but but anyway, so basically, 
we're going to see a uh, basically a roughly, I think, like $10 increase. Yeah, that's what they've said. In the, in the price of physical books. And this will go into effect starting with uh, Big B Presents Glory of the Giants and all new releases afterwards. Mm-hmm. Now, they did say digital pricing is not going to be affected. Which- Obviously, there's no shipping. There's no paper cost. So that's that's good to hear. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy about that because, I mean, I do have the majority of the books digitally. Um, and even when they did do updates, they did keep the old versions as well. So, so far, good on D&D Beyond for, you know, yeah. keeping all that information there and available for you. Because, I mean, you paid for the book. They're giving you the book and it's you there. You shouldn't lose the content. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, th- um, this, however, going forward, I mean... It's it is a bummer. You and I we we kind of talked a little bit pre-show about it, but at the same time, it has been ten years since they've had a price increase, and you know costs and everything do go up in time. And within ten years, I'm geez, just in the last year, we've seen prices go up yeah. on everything. So yep. Yep. like cost for manufacturing, um, you know, workers, just materials yeah. to create the book and everything. I mean, this is a way to kind of offset some of those prices. It's, it's not a fun thing, but it's not unexpected. Yeah. Either. So and, as of right. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, and you know, it's, it's a way that they can get a little bit of extra, maybe profit to also cover some of that. And Hey, we got our OGL. So <laughs> that just, uh, it's a really bad, stupid joke, but I mean, it, you know, we're going to have to yep. pay in Again, other ways sometimes. So it's true. Um, so as of right now, if you want to purchase Big B Presents Glory of the Giants, um, the digital physical bundle through the actual Dungeons and Dragons store um, is still $60. Mm-hmm. Once the pre order window closes, it will be going up to 70 that digital bundle where you get both the physical and the digital release. So that's like 30 bucks for the digital, 30 bucks for the physical. Yeah, not bad. So if you want to if you want to get that, if you want to get them both, both copies, uh, that's a fairly decent deal right now. Um, And speaking of that, uh, there's a new book coming out. Yeah. Oh, Big B presents Glory of the Giants. Ta da. Uh, <laughs> uh, this this book is coming out. um in August, I believe if you pre-order it, you get early access on D&D Beyond August 1st. Which is cool. Yeah, it's it's a it's a fun little thing. The the actual release date is August 15th. Um, and it's this is another one of the like uh source type books. And that's uh and we were just talking about this before the show. Like a lot of the I usually end up getting the like rule books and the source slash setting books in mm-hmm. physical and then the adventures are kind of hit and miss depending on what it's got in it. If it looks like something cool, but that's, that's kind of how I've been getting, getting my stuff lately. This one is basically all about as in the name giants, uh, giant lore, hierarchical structure, um, organization societies. Uh, it adds a giant themed player character option. So you get a new barbarian subclass, two new backgrounds and eight new feats, uh, as well as 30 plus magic items, uh, including three illustrious artifacts, um, a bunch of dungeon master tools, layer maps, venture hooks, encounter tables, treasures, 
role-playing inspiration and 70 plus new monsters for your beastery. That uh, is great. Yeah. So that's, that's super cool. It's, it's a little disappointing that there's only one subclass. Yeah. I wish they, cause I know I remember for the UA, I believe there was two other uh, subclasses that were tested with this material. I think it was Druid one and like either a wizard or a sorcerer one. I don't remember off the top of my head, but it is, I'm a little disappointed at the, this is not, I I guess I would say that I couldn't recommend this if you are just a player. Yeah. I don't think this is a nut. Like this is a DM book. Yeah. This is really not a player book. Um, it does not have, I don't think it has near enough player facing stuff to be worthwhile for just someone who plays like one, one subclass <laughs> is just not going to do it. I guess if you really want it, you can just buy the subclass separately on D and D beyond, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which is a nice, nice that you can do that. If that's really all that you want, but yeah, from a, from a book standpoint, this is definitely seems to be leaning more DM book than player book. Yeah. But I mean, for what it is a DM book, you do get a lot of, of different fun stuff in there. Like the magic items alone, like, you know, we've talked many times about how I just like to, you know, just shower my players with magic items, which is very, not the best thing to do, but anytime that there's, you know, something new and cool and stuff like that, you know, you get to take a look, see what's in there. And sometimes you, you find like the perfect thing that just, you know, will fit with your campaign, whether it's homebrew or, you know, you're, you're running some sort of giant theme campaign or whatever. Um, so like, I'm super excited about that as well as like the artifacts and everything, but also just all this, these giant like monsters that are coming in. I think that is pretty cool because, you know, what's better than a wolf, a dire wolf, What's better than an ape, a giant ape, you know, it's like all these big monsters and stuff just makes adventuring that much more dangerous and kind of scary. And it gives you just such a different kind of scale to play with. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to kind of having access to a lot more of those types of things. It's actually really sad because, um, in my last session, I ran some giants and I was just like, man, it would have been cool if that book was out and maybe they would have had more interesting giant options. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm kind of with you. In fact, uh, I just found some giants too. Uh, we'll talk about all that later, but it's, yeah, yeah. Well, I ran some, I ran some hill giants and there is uh, hail giants are pretty boring. It's basically, throw I smash rock. you with club. I throw rock at you type thing. There is a, actually an official hill giant variant that has an extra option called squash where it based, mm-hmm. they basically just fall down on you and do damage to you and pin you or grapple you, <laughs> grapple you. Uh, so that was kind of fun. I ended up using the, the hill giant variant and I got to, I got to do that, <laughs> that thing once that was, <laughs> that was fun. When the book comes out, we'll do, we'll do a giant themed episode, oh, definitely. maybe like a monster fixer and just, uh, all sorts of fun giant stuff or, or heck maybe we'll actually have a new cat or a new, uh, uh, segment called monster praiser. And we'll just like gush about some of the monsters in the book. Gosh, I hope so. <laughs> I would love to do that. I would love to do that. Like the the variant, as I was looking through, like the variant hill giant, that's the kind of stuff I want to see. Mm-hmm. Add in more flavor, like one or two of those per monster. Yes. Like add in more flavor like that. If he's up next to somebody and is just like, I'm just going to fall on you because I'm a 
giant, big old. I'm thing. the weapon. <laughs> exactly. It's just fun. It's fun. It's flavorful. Like my players were just like, was that a was that something you made up? And I and I got to actually say no. This was actually a real thing. Isn't that cool? There should be more of that. Uh, so yeah, that was that was fun. Very but cool. we'll uh, we'll talk about that a little more after it comes out. August August fifteenth mm-hmm. is is when it drops. So yeah, we'll do we'll do definitely do a giant themed episode. Um, we also are getting a little more talk about the twenty twenty four players handbook dungeon masters guide um, monster manual. Uh, just a few things I wanted to go over from the new information that dropped. Uh, they said the new twenty twenty four players handbook has twelve classes, which I'm actually very surprised that they didn't put the artificer. They want to keep that separate in. Uh, I don't know why it's because that's not uh, in the OGL. That's not in the it's um, published it under a different be, thing. Though. No, it you're completely be. right. They need completely to, they need right. to add it. They need to add it, yeah, um, but they're keeping it separate for that reason. It is interesting though, because they are, they like, you know, they've, they've grouped out these class like expert and they, you know, the, the, the mages and they grouped out these classes into these subcategories and a lot of the things point toward the subcategories. So I'm really hoping, and uh, we're going to talk about one of the videos where they were talking about the, the new um, 2024 books. And one of the things they mentioned uh, is they want to set themselves up well for the next decade of D and D. So we, we may end up seeing a continue. This may be the beginning of another 10 plus year March for exactly for D and D slash five E. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, but um, I'm really hoping because they are grouping those into these class categories, we see actual full extra classes drop in this next 10 years of D and D because they, they gave themselves a nice in for being able to develop more classes categorize them in one of those subclass or one of those class distinction categories and then have all the old stuff that references those class distinction categories apply without Mm -hmm. having to redo books. And I think that's a really big deal because they didn't have a mechanism like that currently. Like it just, that doesn't exist. And so like you have to do a lot of, they had to do a lot of specific stuff for the artificer because of how it is and, and how it you or it's like the artificer has to use the, the sorcerer list or the wizard list or mm-hmm. whatever. It doesn't have like the, the specific artificer things from any of the old stuff. So now they can just be like, it uses the mage stuff or anything that applies to the mage stuff. This new class gets to use. So I, that's what I feel like they're setting this up for. Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's not exactly homogenization of the different classes, but it's grouping them in a way so that it's easier to add something to it and you can still pull bits from it. So, you know, it's not like, you know, okay, my, my wizard and my sorcerer, they're the same thing now because they have the, you know, they're in the same sort of subtype. No, not that at all. It's the fact that you're able to easily identify what uh, type of role you're really looking for. Cause like ba- way back in um, fourth edition, they had like the idea of like controller and 
I can only remember controller, but there, there are like, like different types of jobs that the classes kind of fell into. And this is not exactly putting it the same exact way, but it kind of gives you an idea just by saying, Hey, this is an expert class. Oh, I know what to expect. You know, they, they're very great at kind of doing one thing. This is what they're working on. Uh, you know, they, they pull from uh, little bits here and there, but they're really kind of like a good middle ground for some of these things versus a martial class, which is basically, you know, just pure melee. I'm going in and just striking and destroying everything with, you know, my bow or ax or whatever. And, having those distinctions just helps out when you're, you're trying to describe to especially new players, like what types of things they can be. Exactly. So yeah, we'll have the 12 sub, we'll have the 12 classes. There's 48 subclasses. So four subclasses per, mm -hmm. which will lower some, but increase others in the baseline, but everyone's yes. getting four this time around. Uh, 144 origin options, new feats, spells, and weapon options. Of course, we talked about the weapon masteries not too long ago. Race is now species. Um, there's going to be basically all new art as well, uh, yeah. which we saw a little bit of that come from the uh, the D&D Summit, and it looks absolutely gorgeous. <clears throat> so I'm super, super excited that we're, we're going to get to see uh, new art. And, you know, they talked about better layout and everything. So mm -hmm. that's that's the new player's handbook. Um, the course, we talked about the new Dungeon Master's Guide. The biggest thing is making sure all the information is ordered in a way that is far easier <laughs> to <laughs> to uh, comprehend. Um, yeah, and just it, it walks you through an adventure, which is something we talked about before, yeah, which I think yeah. is still amazing. Addresses common questions, including like, how do I start finding players? How do I compete with dungeon masters I've seen online? How do I avoid discomfort at the table? How do I deal with a TPK or character death? How do I build a campaign or adventure? You know, how much of the rules do I actually need to know? Yeah. And then they talked about um, there's going to be more magic items they're going to give in the DMG, as well as a glossary, expanded appendix of maps, player handouts. Mm -hmm. uh as well so that's that's actually pretty cool um it of the three books i feel like the dungeon master's guide needed the most love and honestly it seems like it might have gotten the most love because of just the the sheer amount of change that's in there um going back to just like the the you know some of the questions that could be answered like a big one how do i avoid discomfort at the table that is a huge social thing that you know some people might not really understand is actually a very big part of running the game as a DM, you know, making sure everybody's happy and comfortable and enjoying themselves with what you're doing. Um, on top of that, just like, you know, the, the tiny little things of like, Oh, you know, how do I deal with the TPK? I mean, that that's kind of a big issue. And I mean, I know that, uh, the, you know, the writers of the, the books and everything, they've been playing for years and years and years, but to new DMS, especially these are things that, they've never come across before and they don't know how to handle it in, you know, any sort of situation. So like pulling those sorts of experiences and putting it into the dungeon master's guide, I think is one of the best things they can do as well as again, going through, you know, a whole adventure kind of just seeing, you know, where things play out, how they work and, and everything along those lines. Much more new player friendly. Yes. The biggest, the biggest, the biggest uh, hurdle in D and D beyond scheduling, because we all know that's by far the biggest problem is DMS 
because there's always more players than DMs. Yes. <laughs> and so true. if you can, if your book can actually help people become a DM easier, that's a, that's a huge win. Mm-hmm. And then finally, they talked a little bit about the monster manual. They estimated about 500 in total. All the 2014 monsters are back along with new enemies, uh, including monsters with higher challenge ratings, like a CR 20 ooze and an arch hag. Um, <laughs> uh, they said they won't change the CR of any existing monsters. And this is to keep backwards compatibility. And like I said, we'll talk about that in just a second. Um, but many have received mechanical adjustments to make sure their CR is correct. And all stat blocks will be updated to make them easier to use and add some spice. I'm hoping for more squashes. Like, yes. I don't, I don't want to see any monster, or at least ninety percent of monsters, with just a single th- like generic throw attack and a single generic melee attack. Mm-hmm. That is the most boring thing ever, and that's dragons. Besides the breath attack, mm-hmm. that's literally all dragons are. They, I, I ugh, they need. I want. I want per dragon spice guys per dragon spice. Yeah. I mean, when you watch something like, you know, legends of Vox Machina and you see the dragon fights and how they're animated, there's just way more to it than just, okay. Breath weapon slash slash bite. Even though that's kind of what they're doing, they do it in such a way that it affects so much. There's like so many things around it, as well as, you know, uh, especially like, oh, this dragon can become invisible at will and does stuff. And this one is able to do this. And I mean, we've talked about dragons and added things to them and everything. And we know that there's there's so much more that could be done with them. So much more. They, they, they need to be so much more epic than they are in the 2014 monster manual yes um also they released a brand new video yes uh, talking about the core rule books for 2024 what are they uh we'll link this in the show notes on the indiscussions.com um basically they talked about uh the reasoning for why they're keeping fifth edition so they are for better or for worse they're keeping the fifth edition moniker they hey. want to continue using Fifth edition, not five one, not five five, not six. It's they they are sticking with the five E moniker, and they actually said in the video uh, that the backwards compatibility for this revision, and I see it's hard to say it without saying revision because I mean, kind of in a lot of ways that's what update. it is. It's an update, update revision. <laughs> I know uh, it's, it's the same thing, um, but they want to maintain backward compatibility because. 5e is actually continuing to grow year on year. Mm-hmm. Like it is legitimately still continuing to grow and they didn't want to stop the momentum, but they wanted to get the core three books in better shape using all the things they learned for the last uh, essentially 10 years of playtesting. And not only that, they even said in the video, the fifth edition books and adventures are continuing to sell well. So, I mean, I mean, a lot of this makes sense from a business standpoint, right? Why would you kill an edition that is still growing year on year? That Curse of Strahd is still being sold in <laughs> exactly. reasonably large numbers. Like, it, I mean, it makes total sense from a business standpoint. 
from a marketing standpoint, I think it's going to get a little bit confusing when the new three books drop, because the plan is right now they're calling that they're referring to the old ones as the 2014 core books. And then mm -hmm. these new ones as the 2024 core books. But the plan is to just refer to them, the 2024 ones as player's handbook, monster manual, dungeon master's guide when they come out. They don't want to leave the year moniker because then it will feel old as soon as 2024 is over, right? Like yeah. it's not a great idea to use the year moniker on that, but it's going to cause, I think, a lot of confusion around what's new, what's not, what version do you have? Oh, my player's handbook doesn't have this or that or the other. And the idea is that. Yes, technically, you're supposed to be able to use both of them alongside. You can use this wizard from the 2014 or 2024, same subclass. It'll look a bit different, but technically, they'll still work together. Mm -hmm. They, I think they are going to have a large like perception slash marketing hump to overcome, though, in not causing confusion because they're not because they're refusing to brand it as 5e updated 5e revised 5155 whatever yeah i'm i'm kind of with you on that it's just going to be a wii wii u like hectic problem all over again but i mean the good news is that assuming that it it you know releases when they want how they want the old versions will at least be off the shelves so you know for people who like us are definitely you know have our 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 ear to the ground. We're going to know which version's out, what, what it is and everything. For someone who's just getting into it, they may not understand the difference or like say they go to, you know, like a, a half price books or a used bookstore or something. They get, you know, oh, this is fifth edition. Great. I'm going to bring this book. I'm going to go and uh, have my player's handbook with me when I go and play with, with everybody else where you might have the old one where they have the new one where, you know, the wizard gets you know, spells or spell slots or something at a different level than what your chart says, you know, things might be a little off here and there, but it really comes down to, I think the dungeon master to say, you know, like what version you have, what you're going to be using and just to kind of be on top of anybody who has maybe an older book or a newer book and just kind of, you know, normalize what's going on between them. It'll be a bit more work for a while. Yeah. I think like, well, like it'll eventually shake out but it'll definitely be a little confusing for the yeah, first like, year. Or two. Which cover do you have this one? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> exactly. Um, they also mentioned in the same video that uh, the subclass normalization is gone because mm -hmm. they are, they in the UA, they had normalized all the subclass levels. So all the subclasses got their, their new stuff, their new features at the same levels. Apparently it wasn't lighting anybody on fire uh, in a good way. Not even a bad way, but they decided to to scrap it, yeah. which I don't know. I have a mixed feelings about. I can I can see why some people would like it because it does make things easier. Everyone gets cool stuff at the same time. Uh, but I can also see how especially some classes are getting their stuff later mm -hmm. <laughs> than before. Uh, might not be super happy about that, uh, but they did say they are going to keep all subclasses starting at three because I they want levels one and two to be kind of the intro to your class. You can feel it out a little bit and then you can make a more informed decision 
once you hit level three. And I think for the most part, that's probably a fairly smart mm-hmm. idea. Exactly. I mean, coming into the game as a cleric and having to choose your divine domain right away without one getting a feel for your character or the type of story you're going to be playing in or anything like that really kind of puts you at a disadvantage at, you know, some points, unless, you know, you're able to change or talk to your DM about it and, and, uh, you know, make those edits later on. But I like the idea of getting into the game, being able to kind of see what's going on, learning how to play. So, you know, what you need to look for, um, I'm a fan. I, as someone who mained a cleric for quite a while, this is a, this is good news to me. Uh, I'm a huge fan of it. Agreed. I think, I think it'll be good. I think it'll be, it'll be much more new player friendly. Mm-hmm. Definitely. As well. Yep. Um, all right. So that's, that's kind of the news. That's, that's kind of the stuff that is, is going on right now. Like I said, we'll we'll have more. Uh, they did mention that uh, there is going to be a new Unearthed Arcana soon mm-hmm. uh, that will contain the Monk, which is the very last class that they uh, have to uh, revise. Um, and then once that happens, we will start seeing revised, revised content. Yes. <laughs> content. They, they'll they'll start putting back out all the stuff that they've put out already, but with feedback implemented from the original iterations and the surveys and such. So look for it. We'll, we'll let y'all know we'll go over it, uh, but the monks should be dropping soon. And then we'll start seeing how well they listened <laughs> and what, what things look like if uh, uh, what tweaks have been made for the rest of the content of which we've, we've seen already, but hopefully they got some good feedback. Yeah. Now, uh, the one thing you're going to say about the monk, if they take away my ability to catch an arrow in the air and throw it back at the person who shot it at me, I will riot. You can join me. But I would be very surprised. I know there's no way they could do that. It's just the coolest thing a monk can do. Well, monks can do so many cool things, but that is the coolest thing a monk can do. As someone as someone who plays and has played a monk, I very interested in seeing this new UA mm-hmm. Same. and and seeing what it does. Uh, but with that, let's talk about something current, something you can play now, uh, which is the Druid, which we and are also super excited to see what they're going to do with all of the feedback they got on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at least this time we can talk about the currently superior version of wild shaving. <laughs> uh, exactly. So Druid's cool. Druid, uh, very nature focused, uh, full caster. So that means you'll Mm -hmm. get level one through nine spells, uh, as you progress all the way through. Um, they're kind of the, the, on the, not the lowest end of the hit points, but they got the D eight. So, you know, second to lowest end of the, the hit point scale. Uh, but you can kind of supplement that currently with, one of their most unique features, which is wild shape, which yes. allows you to transform into a creature to, uh, starting at second level, depending on uh, the CR and the subclass you are. So like second level, you get a quarter CR creature. Can't do a flying or swimming one. Fourth level, you get a half CR creature. Uh, it can do swimming, but no flying. And then finally at level eight, you can do a max one CR creature and it can be anything, even, even a flyer. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's a pretty cool thing. And that's how it started out originally. 
That's kind of what Wild Shape was for. Over the years, as subclasses had jumped in, they've actually started differentiating and allowing you to spend your Wild Shape charges on other things that don't actually cause you to shapeshift. Um, and that's part of what the new UA was doing is turning that into that nature energy, basically mm-hmm. exactly. that encompassed all these things instead of them just using, having to use wild shape because that's what it's called. And that's, that's the resource that's there. So that's uh so that's a cool thing. It's cool that they started using that in a different way so that there could be druids that don't necessarily focus on shape shifting, although it's there uh, if you want it. There's a whole subclass that we'll talk about here in a little bit that is dedicated to shapeshifting, but there's also some subclasses that are basically the exact opposite. Yeah, they don't so really care. A really cool, very versatile uh, caster, um, very uh, fantastic support character, um, and potentially even uh, a very tanky character yeah. as well. It could be there. There's a lot going on with the Druid. And as you said, you know, the wild shape gives you like a lot of versatility options. The, the spell casting has a lot that you can do with it, whether it is, you know, being able to be the healer of your group versus like a pure damage dealer. I mean, some of the, these like nature themed spells do mass amounts of damage, even at kind of lower levels too. Um, you know, like, like a tidal wave is a big one. It, it, you know, huge gush water comes out of nowhere and, you know, knocks things prone, gets force damage and everything. Great things. Um, you got awesome fire spells. You've got, um, you know, like tremor stuff. You've got, uh, things like, um, uh, the, the grasping vines. I mean, you can theme a lot when it comes to a druid. And that's one of the reasons why I think they're one of the, the, the best and most OP classes that there is, is just the versatility in them is so huge. So, so huge. And based on what Druid circle you choose for your, well, currently at your second level, it can wildly change uh, exactly what your Druid is, you know, like the kind of Druid that you're playing. Um, We're just going to jump right into the, the, the circle of the moon Druid because, you know, we've already talked about wild shape a little bit. Circle of the Moon Druid is all about wild shape. It it changes shape to the max. Yeah, it, it changes exactly uh, what your 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 wild shape could actually do. Instead of having the you know like the the okay, well my max CR is going to be one. Um, no, this is is what half your level I think is is uh, the the highest CR that you can go. Uh, starting second level, yeah, you, your uh, challenge yeah. rating as high as as one. You ignore. Yeah, your druid level divided by three rounded down. Yeah. Oh, there it is. Yeah, it's one. Starting level. At, yeah, starting at sixth level, you get those circle forms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, you can you can get up there. This is how this is how you get the 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 T Rexes mm-hmm. and like the dire wolves and all these bigger, uh, cooler beasts that can go up to you know CR seven uh, and and up. Yeah, so basically, by the time you're level 20, you can go up to, to CR 10, which is great. Yeah. Although, there's even more stuff that you can do with that. Like, at level 10, you can actually use two charges of Wild Shape and turn it into an Elemental. Like, that is pretty cool. To be able to just all of a sudden, oh, shoot, we're in the, uh, the I don't know, the, the Earth Plane, and we need fire to start something. Boom, Fire Elemental. It's 
go and attack. Well, and we, we even talked about this a little bit. It's it, that is super cool because each elemental can do something neat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like different earth elementals specific. have earth glide that lets you burrow through non-magical unworked stone and earth. It doesn't move. You just kind of shift, shift through it. It's a siege monster. It does double damage to objects and structures. Mm-hmm. Like that is just a super cool thing. An earth elemental can do a water elemental, uh, can whelm and the, pull targets fun. in. That's a lot yeah. of fun to do. It can enter a hostile creature space and stop there. It can squeeze through a space as narrow as one inch. Like all these elementals have uh, extra cool flavor and mechanical stuff that they can do that opens up a whole new host of options when you get those things to allow you to strategize and play the game in cool and new ways. Exactly. And much less you get all these different types of damage resistances on top of that, which is something really neat and cool that you can do. And, you know, it helps solve puzzles by, you know, being able to uh, like, especially as like an, an, an air or water or fire elemental, you can like go into tiny spaces, just like, you know, zip right through. Or if you're an earth elemental, just, you know, earth glide to the next room or something, you know, there's a lot of different fun things that you can do with that and add that to all the beasts that you have at your availability. And you have a lot of options and just a ton of different bits of play style. And this is one of the reasons why we were just kind of so against that new version in, in the unearthed arcana. So yeah, this version of circle of the moon is absolutely amazing. It is very cool. And it's, it's one of the two that is my favorite of Druid to choose. I I agree. Circle of the moon's really fun. And I think my, my other favorite besides that would be circle of wildfire. Which is one of the, yeah, it's one of the newer ones. And it's one of the things that we talked about that uses wild shape in a different, interesting way. Cause instead Mm -hmm. of you spending charges of wild shape to transform into beasts, you spend charges of wild shape to summon this primal spirit who fights with you and grows with you, uh, based on your, your stats, your proficiency bonus, your level, uh, and you get access to some cool, uh, fire type spells. Um, that are unique to this subclass. Uh, and then it is very much basically empowering that spirit that you use wild shape charges to summon. Uh, so if you want that kind of, uh, Druid bonded with this elemental type fantasy, uh, or that, that, you know, the pet type fantasy, uh, this is a great Druid subclass to, to have that. Cause there's a lot of cool things, uh, that it can do as well. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, if you're looking for like kind of more pets and everything as well, the circle of the shepherd, you know, is actually pretty good too. This is the, the, um, circle that I chose in our Strixhaven campaign, which I mean, we're still really low level, so I didn't get to do much with it, but you're able to toss down a spirit totem, which, you know, has an area of effect, which you can choose like a bear hawk or unicorn. And based on what you choose, you get a different advantage in some form. Um, as you progress, uh, whenever you like, you know, conjure, uh, you know, beasts or, or fake creatures or whatever, they become more resilient and you can actually have, you know, a, a few different things kind of working for you. Um, it's just really neat being able to kind of do that. Plus on top of that, the kind of the, the theme on this one is that uh, 
the the circle of the shepherd is, you know, you're kind of like watching out for, you know, your charges, whether it's, you know, beasts or, you know, even maybe your party, your, your, you know, adventuring group or things like that. But it, it comes with my absolute favorite thing. Cause you know me, I like animals and stuff. Um, at level two, you get speech of the woods, which just means that, Hey, you get to, uh, well, you know, Sylvan, which is great for Faye. But on top of that, um, animals understand you and you can understand them. And it's always really fun to be able to talk to animals all the time, especially when you don't have to cast anything. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a super, a super fun, fun piece of that, that subclass summons are sometimes a big DM headache. Yes. Uh, which is all the more go... reason to do them if you're not the DM. Oh God. Uh, if you, <laughs> Remember, remember, if you take that subclass or like spells that are heavy on the summons, be sure to talk to your DM to try and work things out uh, in a way that summoning like eight different things will not horribly slow down combat Mm -hmm. uh, and stuff, because it's it can be a lot. It can be a lot to keep track of. It can be a lot to do. So a lot of times um dms will work with their players or summons uh, work out maybe like the summon spell just you you summon the big thing yeah or or the two the two things <laughs> instead of try the, not to do six fairies eight, yeah or something ridiculous like that because then it just gets very hard to keep track of and it slows down combat a ton uh that's as a dm if someone's a druid and they're like, yeah, I'm just going to be summoning a lot of stuff. That would be a conversation that I would have with them. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, 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 I really shouldn't say this on the show, but I'm going to say it anyway. But one of the worst ways that you can break the game is if you do, you know, summon fake creatures, you summon, I think it's like six fairies or pixies or whatever. They know polymorph. You ask them to turn the party into T-Rexes. You have six T-Rexes running around not a fun thing to do and it's silly and it's crazy. And I mean, DMS, there's, there's plenty of ways to go about that. Like does, does a fairy even know what a T-Rex is? But I'm just saying there are really crazy ways that if you're trying to give your DM a headache, you can don't do it. It's not fun for not on purpose at least. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> we beg you not on purpose. Yeah. Um, the other really cool subclass I wanted to shout out is circle of the stars. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm playing in a game right now, uh, that there is a circle of the stars druid. And this is another one of those subclasses that, um, allows you to use wild shape in a different way other than transforming into beasts. Uh, <clears throat> you get some more radiance type, uh, spells. Um, you get the starry form which allows you to use uh, wild shape forms to take on these like constellation type things that do different things like uh, the archer constellation Mm -hmm. that lets you make range spell attacks to hurl luminous arrows at at targets. Uh, The dragon, which uh, lets you make intelligence or wisdom checks uh, or constitution saving throws or when you make intelligence or wisdom checks or constitution saving throws to maintain concentration on the spell, you can treat a roll of nine or lower on the D 20 as a 10, which is super cool. 
uh, just makes it very hard for you to, to break concentration. You get new stuff as you improve uh, levels, your starry forms get, get better. And so that's just another example of a subclass that takes those wild shape charges and uses them for something else. Yeah. One other thing too, I got to throw out the circle of spores because it's wicked cool in gross at the same time. <laughs> um, so, you know, a lot of, of druids are all about, you know, life and preserving life and making sure that's the natural order and all this. Well, the circle of spores druid finds more things, you know, beauty and like decay. And it's, you know, it's still part of life, but the whole big thing about it is that you have like the circle of spores that is just around you and you have these spores and it's like a symbiotic relationship in you. And as you level up, you're able to do more things with it. Uh, like at level six, you can actually animate corpses with it and have zombies running around with you um, to the point where you become so in tune with like the symbiotic entity and everything that at level 14, you can't be critically hit anymore. Like just hands down critical hits do not like hurt you. They count as normal hits unless you're incapacitated. And that alone is just mind blowing. Uh, you also can't be blinded, deafened, frightened, or poisoned. So it's kind of a big deal, but on top of that, you know, you can use it to, um, you know, cause like necrotic damage when you're attacking things and, excuse me, you just get a, a whole bunch of like kind of weird things that you don't really associate with druidism with the circle of spores. It, it's a pretty cool thing. So definitely check that one out too. Yeah, that one's, that one's pretty neat. That one's pretty neat. Um, one other thing uh, I really like about druids is they do get some very cool, unique class specific spells that mm -hmm. no other class gets. Uh, one of those being reincarnate. And I think reincarnates a super cool uh, version of basically revivify where you touch a dead humanoid or piece of dead humanoid, provided that creature hasn't been dead any longer than 10 days. The spell forms a new adult body and then calls the soul to enter. And if they, if they're willing to enter, and then the magic fashions a new body, but it may cause the creatures like race slash species to change, uh, which is super interesting. You get a D 100 table uh, and you can, and you basically roll on that to see what the body becomes. So it's just a, it, it's a very interesting, cool resurrection spell that only the Druid gets and would have some, Potentially very interesting role play implications as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is really cool. It's one of the things that I'm actually like a little sad that I don't have any, anybody with. Um, it is a little bit uh, expensive, of course, because it does require, you know, a, a thousand gold of uh, resources. But then again, every sort of resurrection spell does. So keep that in mind. But it is pretty cool. And you do get all of like the the um, player handbook races. Uh, if you were savvy and had access to say a bunch more, you could always completely change the table into something different that includes all the races that have been available since the Druids come out, which are quite a few. Which would be kind of cool. Yeah. yeah. Very, very cool. Very cool indeed. Um, but yeah. If you haven't played a Druid, check them out. They're actually a ton of fun. Um, 
and one of my one of my favorite classes to play. Very unique. You get to do a lot of fun stuff. Lots of options. Mm-hmm. Uh, very very strong themes. Uh, so if that sounds cool, check it out. And yeah. hey, write in with your druid stories. We would love to hear about the druids that you all have played, uh, as they are very unique. And uh, I've had them in my games before, and they've done lots of wild things that I didn't expect. Uh, it's a very, very fun class. Definitely. I highly recommend it. All right. So uh, before we go, we've got a few uh, things we wanted to shout out before we uh, drop down into our what we're doing in our games uh, before we wrap things up. First off, and this is my bad. Because <laughs> this episode would have come out in time before the Kickstarter campaign ended, and it didn't, and I apologize. Uh, but there was an amazing Kickstarter for um, a book, a sequel to a book that I really loved called uh, Tome of Mystical Tattoos 2, uh, which is basically the sequel to Tome of Mystical Tattoos, which is uh, basically a giant book of... Um, Tattoo magic items building heavily on the uh, very base foundation that wizards put down when they introduced magical tattoos. Uh, it, they've got a ton of stuff in it. Uh, they are going to be there's two full classes based on uh, the the tattoo theme that will each have several subclasses. There will be an adventure. There's hundreds of new tattoos. Uh, the art is incredible. Um, they even will have PDF fillable character sheets for the new classes, which uh, I highly, uh, any, any class custom class I like to, that is released. I like to see at the very least something like that um, because D and D beyond has spoiled me horribly uh but it, it's nice to at least have like a pdf fillable fillable sheet uh for those things um sadly it's a little too late to pledge however if that sounds interesting the original tome of mystical tattoos uh which is on sale and we'll have a link to that in the show notes is a fantastic supplement and if that sounds cool i highly recommend grabbing that because it has a lot of content as well that you can play with. Yeah, they're really cool. And the second one would be cool to know a little bit more about, but we're going to have both of them linked in, even though the Kickstarter is over, uh, just so that you can you really see. check it out. Yeah. Because, um, the, the number one doesn't really have any sort of like preview information or anything, uh, on, on the DMs guild, but, um, you can actually see what's going on in number two and, you know, assume that it's similar to the first one. So exactly. Definitely. Exactly. And then also uh, for Pride Month, D&D Beyond has brought back their Dice of True Color, which is a free digital dice set that you can get. Uh, They are very, very cool looking dice. Um, And so uh, I we will have the link to them in the show notes as well. Highly recommend if you haven't or hadn't heard about it or didn't pick them up last year, head over to the link. It's free. You just click the button and you get them added to your set. It's a very, very cool looking dice. Set. Yeah. They're essentially like your dice. If they were geodes cracked open with, you know, just the beautiful colors inside. I mean, check them out. They're really awesome. We, we definitely, uh, want everybody to have them show your support, pick up some yeah. free dice. That's right. 
And then, of course, finally, before we go, we usually like to talk at the end a little bit about what we're doing in our games. Yes. So, Ben, what has your party been up to? Well, uh, last time we talked, um, I did say that they, uh, you know, stormed a, a giant stronghold in uh, Isgard, um, and then we ended up um, stopping before the final battle. It's a good thing, too, because when we picked it back up and did that final battle, it took about two to three hours. It was a long one, and it lasted actually multiple rounds, which is very good. Hey, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Um, so the the idea is, is that the, the bard, you know, had um, divine dreams kind of leading her here to get her uh, her armor, her, you know. She's the champion of this homebrew god that I made. It was the um, Adona, the the goddess of the forgotten, which basically, um, you know, orphans, um, people who are lost. You know, she's kind of like the the you know the goddess who protects them and everything. Um, the bard has always been someone who's been kind of an outcast from her herd. She's she's the um, the Goliath bard. Um, she's been outcast, always kind of trying to find a play her place in the world, and you know has found her found family with the this adventuring group. And so one of the back stories of her is that any town she goes to, she always visits like the orphanages and, and, you know, entertains the kids for free, you know, and, and supports them wherever she is. So, you know, this goddess kind of noticed and it's like, you're going to be my champion. You're doing the things that I want. And, and he just happened to be with a group of adventurers who have a bunch of other gods looking at them to be champions. You know, who knew fantasy world, right? So we get to Isgard we're going into this giant stronghold. We go up against this, this massive giant dude. He's got this uh, insanely big ax, this giant shield. And then there's another fire giant in the room with him. And uh, as they went through before they ran into just two lowly fire giants and it was a pretty rough battle. So I knew that this one's going to be very rough because this guy's no, no joke, legendary actions, all that fun stuff. So, they ended up polymorphing the first giant into a sloth and threw him in the toilet. Um, and then he slowly was making his way, trying to climb out the, 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 the sloth stats that I found where it's movement is five per round. So he didn't get very far throughout the whole fight, but, um, this other boss giant though, I mean, he, he had the, a shield charge that he was doing on, uh, you know, like legendary actions and knocking people prone. He, he was constantly getting advantage on attacks and he hit hard too. Um, as well as he's throwing this, these vials of some sort of like poison in around, which if you started your turn in this cloud of, of poison, um, you had to make a con save. And if you failed it, you lost your health. Like, you know, well, obviously you lose your health, but your max health went down along. Yeah, the max it. health starts dropping. Yeah. It's like the the whole that that whole necrotic, mm -hmm. oh God, I'm losing my health thing. Exactly. It's Which, a scary, that's a scary uh deal. Because yeah. healing then becomes much less uh effective. Exactly. Um so I had that on a recharge, you know, for his normal turn, as well as um his he can use that for his three legendary actions. So, you know, he, there's two ways of doing it. So he, he tossed out a few of those. Um, we had some, some decent rolls, but some people did lose their max health, you know, drop some and everything. Um, and just overall, I mean, he was just beating the crap out of people until finally they tore his shield away, dropped his AC down. He started getting worried about this. But the thing is, is 
he's on Isgard and knows that he's going to be resurrected the next day anyway. So he didn't have much to lose. And so of course he was cursing them and, and fighting with all his might and everything. Um, and the thing is, is that if they died and they were resurrected by Isgard, they were stuck there from that point. So they definitely didn't want to be resurrected on Isgard because, you know, the venture's over at that point. But um, we had some people get get really low quite a few times, um, but they they were able to to bully through, take care of the guy, um, open up his his vault, take some cool magic items, stole the uh, armor, the artifact armor that was in there, and uh, they ended up plane shifting their way out. Yeah, I was very very Ooh. pleased, very excited. The CR was way over tuned for what they were. Um, mainly because in the past which means it's probably about right. Yeah, exactly. Which I mean, obviously they beat the guy. So yeah. Um, but I was really proud. They did such a great job with it. Um, there is a lot more going on there than they knew. And they took some of the samples of that poison with them. And, uh, so, you know, once some research happens with that, maybe they'll find out that, Oh, maybe they shouldn't have left so early, but who knows? Um, but Next session, uh, which we were going to have on Saturday, but uh, I ended up feeling really sick and was not able to focus on prep, much less running a game. So we unfortunately had to push it and it's going to be a a few weeks before we play again, sadly. Um, But we're going to be coming to do a week of downtime. They've uh, already given me some lists of some of the things that they're doing and we're going to have a nice, you know, relaxed session before we uh, start going into, uh, you know, the nine hills. So I'm, I'm really excited. Awesome. Yeah, it's always that's a great, honestly, a great DM tip, too, is if you've been going really hard, had a lot of combat, had a really long arc, you know, whatever, it's good. Take a session or two and chill it out a little Mm bit. Exactly. it's, It's good for the characters and it's good for the players as well. And a lot of times that's what very good RP moments can happen. Not to mention the ability to spend a lot of that hard-earned cash that they most likely got at some point or another. Yep. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it too. In fact, they said, "Hey, can we have some downtime?" Because they asked them what they wanted to do next, and they asked for it. So I said, "Definitely." And uh, once we get back together, there's going to be a couple surprises of uh, what happens in that downtime because obviously they give me what they want to do, but uh, I have some other things that are going to be happening and uh, hopefully they'll, they'll, they'll have as much fun as I will. Excellent. Sounds like a good session. Yeah, it was really good. Like I said, I'm super proud of them for taking this guy down. He, he was rough. And as we're fighting, I'm like, Oh man, like the first hit, it's like, okay, they're prone. I get advantage. Oh, that's a crit. Oh man, this isn't going to go well. <laughs> and you know, he's got a flaming axe. So obviously you got that, that slashing damage on top of fire damage. And it's, yeah, it, it, it could have been real bad. Yeah. But, but they did yeah. good. They did real good. Good. Yeah. Um, so you, I know that you're, you're, you're winding down on uh, both of your campaigns. You're working through them. Um, what have you done? Like what's been going on? So, um, my my first campaign met uh, again on Saturday, and I know I, that they're they're kind of on a clock at this point. Um, there is a big green dragon that has ties to two of the characters uh, that is really in, in a lot of ways. It's kind of cool uh, that this is kind of the, the big final arc because it's uh, it's kind of a full circle 
because mm-hmm. this is a, a thread that happened way back at the very beginning of the campaign. And now we're circling back around because this green dragon is doing something, making making concoctions like corrupting. Uh, they've seen corrupted animals and such. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've scried on him. Some, something's going on in the background. And currently, he's kind of taken over one of the three noble houses of this town or this this small city. Yeah. Uh, and is kind of kind of wormed his way in there. So the party uh, was <laughs> the party was able to acquire uh, an invitation to a big party there because uh, this town uh, prides itself on it, its festivals and its mm-hmm. celebrations and such. Uh, so they are currently. They were managed to get an invitation. It's a dragon. Uh, they were warned that magical disguises would not necessarily be a good idea. So they had to fall back on physical ones. So they spent uh, a, a part of the session uh, figuring out how they were going to disguise themselves physically and um, visiting a salon and all the all the fun things that uh, come with that. Uh, and then hired a carriage and headed the next morning to the city because it would take the better part of over a day mm-hmm. to get there. And they had to get there the next night. So they only had, you know, basically a day and a half to travel. So they had to, they had to get going. Yeah. Um, on the way, they encountered a group of hill giants that had attacked a, a like farmer merchant caravan that was heading back to their their farmstead um the hill giants eat people yeah so they very hungry uh a few people did get eaten uh not none of the party and it's such an interesting encounter because it was four hill giants a hill giant berserker this is just a little bit of a beefed up version yeah. uh, of a hill giant. And then two of these uh, corrupted wolves that the hill giants found. Oh, essentially. Uh, so it ended up being a very interesting combat because I have five level 14 players. This is not necessarily a fight that is going to be deadly. Yeah. Um, although I did find out that hill giants hit hard. Mm-hmm. Like they, they hit pretty freaking hard. There's that's one of those monsters that I think actually might be slightly overtuned for the CR. Cause they're like CR five. And I, I feel like a group of like four or five level fives could get absolutely pounded into the ground. Yeah. Uh, by some of the damage. <laughs> that, like I, I found a hill giant can do. I found it similar two fire giants and I had a party of five. Oh, uh, yeah, of uh, five level 12s. So I get it. And by the way, I forgot to mention my group did uh, level up to level 13. Nice. Nice. But yeah, Giants very slightly overtuned from what it seems like. Uh, they they certainly can be. Um, like, again, players can surprise you, right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Players are almost always more resilient and than you think they are. But I was, I was just seeing... Uh, when these giants hit like chunking hit points. And again, no one went down. There are a few that, you know, drop down into the, like, the, I think like maybe the twenties or thirties of HP. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was only like one or two. And 
again, they have so many tools to deal with this. This encounter wasn't necessarily deadly. It was, oh gosh, can we save these people? Yeah. Right. Um, and a few of the people did die, but it's, it's one of those things, especially with high level D and D it's good to not just say, here's an objective, kill these things. Yeah, exactly. It's great to have other secondary, uh, or other primary type objectives that make the players think more about, uh, the, the encounter than just, Oh, I need to kill X. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so they were able, they, they tried their best <laughs> to save, save as many people as they could. They were able to defeat the giants. Um, especially these high level characters. Uh, the, the fight actually ended, ended up ending with a hold monster cast at a high enough level to, to grab the last two of them because these giant hill giants don't have great wisdom. Negative yeah. one wisdom modifier. Yeah, not, not so great. Uh, so, they ain't saving those DC 17 wisdom saving throws <laughs> that, <laughs> that my players are throwing at them. Uh, and so that, that ended that confrontation uh, fairly quickly once they had whittled them down a little bit and threw those, those hold monsters up. But yeah, that's just uh, a way to show honestly, in a lot of ways, how powerful they've become. That's good. Like five hill giants and these, corrupted wolves like and they they were able to take them without you know too much difficulty so uh it's it's kind of cool so then they uh kind of escorted the rest of the survivors back to their their farmsteads and they continued heading to the town into the the little small city and we left off with them coming into sight of the city that next morning after getting a rest and we'll have a fancy party. What will happen at that fancy party? I have no idea how they're going to they're going to deal with uh, with this situation going forward. But it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. I think that's going to be really cool. And especially after coming off of the high of just uh, saving a bunch of people and uh, taking out some some uh, hill giants. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, looking forward to continuing that. Well, that is it. For this episode of Dean Discussions. Thank you everyone so much for listening. And as always, before we sign off, Ben, why don't you let everyone know where we can be reached? You bet. Um, for now, you can find us on Twitter. We are at DN Discussions. It's a great place to tell us uh, within 280 characters what's been going on with your campaign or if you have any uh, you know quick questions or something you want to shoot us, uh, you can find us there. Uh, if you're looking for Ryan by himself, he is at TBK Zord. If you're looking for me, I'm at Ben Bumhofer. Uh, however, if you do have you know a much longer question or more that you want to kind of convey or story that you want to tell us, you can always email us. Send those to dndiscussions at gmail.com. We love hearing from you absolutely love hearing from you. It's uh, always a pleasure to, to read some of those emails. And, uh, and as you know, we do answer questions on the show. If you do send them in now, if you're listening and you're wondering, by golly, I don't think they actually play D and D. Well, guess what? You can hear me play D and D on plus five to hit. It is a, uh, persistence at live play campaign, uh, or recorded play campaign, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're going through rhyme of the frost main right now. 
Um, Ryan's usually joining me. He's taking a small hiatus. Uh, we're hoping that he comes back soon because, uh, gosh, we miss Sam already. And I'll tell you, Fallwin has done something insanely stupid without Sam being there. So, uh, yeah, that's I remember that's what I wanted to tell you before the show. Anyways. Um, DM discussions, though, if you like what you hear, you want to hear about uh, some of the UA that we've already talked about or any other of the previous uh, classes or, gosh, any discussion topic o- overall, you can find us on dndiscussions.com uh, as well as your uh, favorite podcast player of choice. So definitely check us out. Uh, with that being said, hey, if you can give us a, you know, a review, tell us you like us, give us five stars. It helps us out, helps get the word out. And uh, again, it kind of strokes our egos a little bit. We'd like that now and then. It's pretty cool. Um, But besides that, everybody, thank you very much for listening. Ryan, it's always such a pleasure talking to you. And uh, I'm very glad that we were able to get back together again sooner rather than later. And until next time, everybody, be good to each other. Take care. And we'll see you soon.